Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today on this Monday. And it just it feels like the Super Bowl was just played. That was incredible. <laughs> I, right? I mean, it's looking kind of a letdown. Like, what do we, what do you I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you. Good luck, Roger. Super Bowl 55 and a half. 55 and a half. Yeah, it was amazing. Here's your stat of the century. Just read this on NFL.com. Uh, the four divisional round games were decided by a combined total of 15 points. That's an average margin of victory of 3.8 points per game. That is the lowest average margin of victory in NFL playoff history in a round with at least four games. Uh, you know, there aren't that many rounds with at least four games, but still, it was uh, it was that good. A wa- four walk-offs, four walk-offs. All right, Jamie, what was the second best game of the weekend? Oh, uh, I think both of them were yesterday, um, you know, with uh, with the Bucks and the Rams, you know, just the fact that the Bucks made it a game after uh, really looking awful through uh, the majority of three quarters. And so, you know, they got clearly lucky with some of the turnovers from the Rams, uh, missed field goal by Matt Gay. Um, but, uh, you know, you thought Brady, you know, can you imagine if he had come back from first 28-3 against the Falcons in the Super Bowl and then 27-3 against <laughs> Yeah, against the uh, against the Rams there. Um, quarterback's name Matt or Matthew would have definitely been scared about ever playing him again. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was probably yesterday. But all, all the games were great. Yeah, the, I, I, the Bucks game was so pathetic, <laughs> right? Like it wasn't even a great comeback. It was just the 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 uh, drama. Yeah, yeah, it was just the Rams uh, wee weeing down their leg. Uh, it was it was really. It was really bad. Dave, do you think the two fumbles by Cam Akers matter? Do you think uh, Sony Michelle gets that job back next week? I bet there's a more defined split between those two. Like, okay. they they mix and match them. They're going to have a hard time trusting Akers. I know they went right back to him after that first fumble that he had. But the second one, I know he got more playing time after it, but I wonder if they just have to think twice about, is it even worth it? Is it worth putting him on the field? He's looked good in spurts, but I don't know if he's necessarily back to where he was pre-injury. And maybe yeah. they should just put Sony Michelle back in that spot. Henderson might be back as well. So I bet we see more of a committee next week. His rush average is not going to look very good in the playoffs, most likely, uh, because he's just going to face really good run defenses, right? Face the Bucks this week, and he's going to face the 49ers next week. The only thing I cared about was the playing time. The fumbles, yes, problem, and we'll see what they do. Uh, but that was pretty telling. You know, the fact that he, uh, you know, one game in and it was okay. You're the guy again, go. Uh, <laughs> you knew it was going to be a struggle for him, you know, but the fact that he played as much as he did. And, and like they've said that they went back to him after the fumbles. We'll see what happens next week. But Michelle was terrible in week 18 against the 49ers. So I can't imagine that he's going to have a, a, a more significant role, much more significant role. He'll have a bigger role potentially, but I, I still think this is Akers job. Hopefully in, forever. In six point per, <laughs> in six point per, uh, for passing touchdown leagues, Joe Burrow and Ryan Tannehill combined for 20 points. Josh Allen mm. and Patrick Mahomes combined for 90 points. So, Dude, how about Saturday? There was two wins with one passing touchdown combined between those two teams. And it was Tannehill? It was Tannehill, yeah. Tannehill. Wow. Rodgers, none. Yeah. Garoppolo, none. Burrow, none. Crazy. Crazy. All right, so let's do a fantasy winner and a fantasy loser. Uh, Dave, which one would you like? Winner's the most obvious thing ever. Yeah. Well, who? Gabriel Davis. Okay. Duh, exactly. <laughs> well, I think I think Cam Akers has a even despite the fumble. Well, we had him last week, though. Yeah, we did have him last week. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, Dave. Jamie, I'll give you I'll give you Gabriel Davis. Dave, you think of a loser while Jamie uh, talks about Gabriel Davis. Uh, I mean, look, he's this. This is a great stat I saw this morning. He scored more touchdowns. 
um, in the. Am I getting this right? No, it can't be. I saw, Great stat, more, oh, Jamie. It's uh, it's more touchdowns in the last like five games or so than than uh, CD Lamb had all season. Huh. It's, whatever is seven touchdown stretches. Uh, um, I, I probably butchered that, but in any event, he's he's just fantastic. I mean, you know, the four touchdowns that he had, um, set a record. The the two touchdowns in the final two minutes uh, set a record. Um, yeah, he's he's uh, he's going to be everybody's favorite breakout candidate next season. Um, I just went back. I, I knew I had drafted him in one of the two drafts that we did. And uh, you got him in one and I got him in one. Yeah, you got him in the PPR one. I had him in half PPR. One. Right. So and my, I was my, mad. I knew that you did because I was trying to get him in the other one, too. My my receiving core in that league is Keenan Allen, Calvin Ridley, Darnell Mooney and Gabriel Davis. Uh, if you tell me I get those four guys, <laughs> sign me up all day long. Keenan um, Allen who? So, huh? Keenan Allen who? Darnell Mooney, Gabriel Keenan Davis. Keenan Allen, Calvin Ridley, uh-huh. Darnell Mooney and Gabriel Davis. Obviously, Ridley's a wild card, but, you know, we're all hoping he's going to be back and, and, and in a good situation. Um, and that's with Dalvin cook and Javante Williams. So, uh, and Devin Singletary. So, you know, you get, you get, uh, the opportunity to see what he can be, you know, in, in a, in a full-time role, get Emmanuel Sanders off the team. Um, so he doesn't have to any, have any concern about him being in the way. Uh, he's got, he's got so much upside Gabriel Davis. He does, but, but we shouldn't just ignore. Well, maybe it's seven touchdowns in the playoffs is more than what CD lambs had in this season. The last two playoffs combined. Um, yeah, that's right. Okay, that that makes sense. Four yesterday with uh, over 200 yards. Eight catches, 201 yards, and four touchdowns on 10 targets. Wasn't that long ago, week 18, he had three catches for 39 yards on 14 targets. So he had, you know, almost his... He had more than a third of his entire season output yesterday. You know, he had 549 yards in the regular season and 201 yesterday. So what's the danger here, Dave, in maybe overreacting to Gabriel Davis's big game. The the overreaction is to draft him too early and to put him in round four or something like that, where you expect him to just have a chance to take over as the number one wide receiver in Buffalo. You can't do that. No, well, uh, even, you, even if you, you know, I mean, people are going to draft Diggs, obviously, but but if you expect which him is, to- And I think he's the loser. Like, I, I think that he's the one that you go back to and you say, well, where, where was he? He came up small in the game against Kansas City. He came up small... Uh, in the game before, I know he had the two point catch or whatever. That's it's not enough, but he was outshined in the first Bills win in the playoffs by Dawson Knox and Davis, and then Davis just goes ham in the second game. And if 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 this is the direction that the Bills' offense is going to move into, it makes sense for Buffalo to spread it around and have more weapons and and be more diversified. But it it just kind of feels like maybe we're going to be overrating Stephon Diggs and people taking him with a top thirty pick might be not doing themselves a favor. Wow. I don't know if he's going to remain dominant as the the heavy target guy like he was two yeah. seasons ago, like he was I, one season ago. If that, if that's the case, you're getting a steal for Stephon Diggs. He's not getting out of the second round. I mean, he's still, he's still got so much upside. You know, you can't overlook the body of work that he had all season. Um, and, and the hope would be is that, I mean, obviously, you know what the Patriots did, you know, with J.C. Jackson and trying to take him away last week. And this week, you know, the Chiefs maybe had a similar game plan. I don't know. I haven't gone back and looked at it yet, but. Uh, I'm going to guess that, uh, you know, most teams' plans, which it should be, and then Gabriel Davis's emergence will hopefully help that, is to take away your best option, which is take away Stephon Diggs. So if you start to open up the other side of the field, you can't take away Stephon Diggs, you, then that helps Diggs moving forward. He was seventh in targets per game among receivers this past season. Is he going to be top seven again next season? I'm going to guess he's still going to be top 10. So, you know, you factor in A.J. Brown missing time. You factor in, you know, quarterback changes around the league. You know, so he, sure. he may slip a little bit, but uh, there's still too much upside with him in this offense. And, and okay. in terms of Gabriel Davis, Adam, your question, is he going to get overdrafted? Probably so, because, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll overhype him as an industry. Um, you know, there will people that, uh, you know, one or two, they'll probably call him a bust. They'll, you know, say that don't buy into just the playoff performance and look at more of what the body of work is and, I'm sure they're not done tweaking their offense yet, but um, it's it's hard to overlook what he can be. And I'll go back to something you said about Dawson Knox at the beginning of the season. Attach yourself to good quarterbacks. And it's not a bad idea to attach yourself to a good player like this. One more thing. What does Buffalo do at running back this offseason? Hopefully not much. I mean, Devin Singletary seems to prove himself. I agree. I hope they don't do anything. But if they go splash city at running back, I wonder if that changes the tenor of the offense, which, I mean, I wouldn't want them to do that, of course. I want them to throw... 45 times a game, just like everybody else. But if they try and improve that run game this offseason and it works, that's going to hurt everybody in the passing game. 
You know, Jamie, you, you combined Gabriel Davis and Darnell Mooney. This was a full or a half PPR league? Half. Yeah. In a full PPR league, that's a, that's a risky combo, depending on where you get them. And, like, you get Gabriel Davis in the ninth round or whatever and whatever. But uh, you're talking that's about so. two guys who have a 50 – Gabriel Davis, 56% career catch rate. It's been basically the same both seasons. Darnell Mooney, 60% catch rate. Because they go deep, right? They're high dot guys, um, especially Davis. And in a PPR league, I guess my concern is Marvin Jones? You know, well, we're good. not talking about number one or number two receivers here. I don't think David, Davis Davis may creep into that conversation depending on how you build your team. Um, I don't, I, and Mooney might as well. But you, you know, ha- but, but you're going to rank Davis in your top twenty-four, no? Yeah, but again, it's about how it's about your build, you know. So you know, you could still go one running back and three receivers in your first four rounds and and get one of those guys. You're not going to get both at this point because Mooney's hype will get out of control, and Davis's hype is certainly going to get out of control. Yeah. All right. I won't be able to draft that receiving core again if Ridley's right. Well, I, but I think you should be able to because I I, I don't know that not, not without going receiver receiver receiver. But I don't know that. Well, okay, I mean your first two of Keenan Allen and Calvin Ridley it would have to be. No, I don't. I don't know. I mean the way our last two drafts have been, Ridley's if I, made if his I were to go, four, I took right? Dalvin Cook in the first round. Yeah, forget Keenan Allen. So it's an upgrade over Keenan Allen. I I would have to go four receivers in a row and just go no, zero RB. There's, yeah, there, it's I, just not happening. Yeah, I just don't think that Gabriel Davis. What round do you think Gabriel Davis should be drafted in? He's gonna go in that forty-five to fifty-five range, forty-five to sixty Ooh. range. You know, so wow, mid-round four to end around five. I don't think he'll go that high. He has to have a legit breakout. You know, he has to be the number two wide receiver consistently for the Bills. And I, I don't know. That, that feels high to me right now. I'm, I'm telling you, you, you know Same. the way this works. No, I'm, I'm, you're, I'm not disagreeing that it should happen. It feels too early for me. What about you? It, in, in the round four range, it feels early. I think round five, based on how receivers start to fly off the board in that three through five range, he is absolutely getting drafted in the middle of round but five. But should he? I'm not saying he will he. I'm saying should uh, he? It depends. I mean, I, I can only tell you where I'm going to rank him. So I know where I'm going to rank him is somewhere between 20 and 30. And so he's going to be drafted in that range. That's where those guys go. And Dave, what do you think? I think he's going to be ranked somewhere between 20 and 30 as well. I might have a hard time putting him in top 24. Yeah, maybe some, maybe right around 55. Like Jamie said, 45 to 55. 45 just freaks me out. There's no way. Maybe around 55th overall, people are going to start gravitating toward taking him. I, I think if you get him in round six at this point, it's it's fine. I mean, if you looked at the at the 70s of, of ADP last year, I'll try to get it. Let's go full PPR. Uh, this is where I'm thinking guys like Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool and Jamar Chase were going off the board. Um and that's kind of where I thought he might end up. When you're talking about top 60, you're talking about Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, that group. And I didn't think he'd make it there. Uh, so, yeah. It could be splitting hairs. You know, it could be 65, you know. But it, it's, okay. it's, very, it's very hard to imagine Josh Allen's number two receiver after the playoff performance he just had getting out of round six. Okay, so round – round, oh, sorry, Dave. Round six now, last be, year you – know, just to kind of put in context, it could be we're chasing Michael Hardman again. Yeah, right. right. You know, I don't think that's the case, but that's same type of feel. Oh, the number two guy opposite these two other great pass catchers. In this case, it's really only one, but, you know, loaded offense, great quarterback. And the guy doesn't deliver. I don't think Gabriel Davis is that guy, though. I think he's going to be more involved and better. Are you taking him over St. Brown? Um, Equinemius, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about Amari Cooper? No, wait, wait, wait. Uh, no. Actually, you need to answer the. I want to know the answer for both of you. Well, for I would the, take Amara St. Brown because that is really interesting. Okay. As of now, as of now, because we don't know what the Lions are going to end up doing. Amari right. Cooper versus. Then, how could you take Gabriel Davis over Amari Cooper? I wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't either. Right. And then what about like Mooney? Like, are we getting closer with Darnell that, that's Mooney? That's the type of player you're looking at, I think. You know, it's. it's does Justin Fields take the next step? Who's the other receiver in Chicago? Who's the who's the coach in Chicago? I mean, you know, there's a lot of questions still to be answered there, but they're a very similar range. I don't think there's a lot yeah. of difference between two of them. I just I, I think I can name 25 other receivers I would put ahead of Gabriel Davis even after yesterday. And I love the guy. All he does is score touchdowns. I don't know if he can do it for, you know, nine of 17 games next year. Maybe he can. Mm-hmm. And if he can, then yes, he's worth a pick in the top 50. Oh, the, the touchdowns are crazy. He has 16 games in his career, regular season games, 
with four or more targets. And he has scored a touchdown in 10, uh, at least one, in 10 of those 16 games. It's He is just, he has a magnet for the end zone. All right, so uh, we're, we're 17 minutes, 15 minutes in. We haven't even talked about the game, but let's just talk about the game. Uh, but also, let me promote something here. If you're listening on Spotify, please leave a five-star review. You can do that, obviously, on Apple Podcasts. i got to read some of those Apple Podcast questions that are coming in. Um, but uh, Spotify, you can do that there. So anywhere that you can leave a review, please do. And Spotify is one place that you can do it. We have three shows this week. We have running back and wide receiver reflections coming up on Tuesday and Thursday, respectively, plus a recap of the half PPR mock draft also on Tuesday. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, the... You know, that game, obviously, you probably shouldn't have kicked off at the end there, right? Probably should have squibbed it, considering mm, Tyreek Hill wasn't I mean, back there. I get it. I get why they kicked off. You know, you, you're you're trying to... Tyreek was back there, right? No. Yeah, somebody said that to me. I didn't think he was either, but um, you're trying to, you know, if you squib it and they, and they pick it up short, it's the same thing. They're just down in the ball right there. The idea is to um, kick it. Yeah. kick it to the five. You want to kick it to the five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then it's, I don't know. It didn't seem like you see, you know, at the end of a game where teams line up their defensive backs really close to the sideline. So you, you can't get out of bounds on them. And it seemed like they were kind of half doing that. And Kelsey kind of even made reference to that when he, you know, when he had his big catch to set up the field goal. And it's like, they have three timeouts. You don't have to guard the sideline. You got to cover the field. You don't have to worry about them getting out of bounds. As Leslie really, Frazier and Todd Bowles at the end of the games yesterday really kind of you have to question what they were doing. Oh, the zero blitz. <laughs> yep. I Bruce Arians said never question it. Just but did you see that some of the Bucks? Let me see if I can find this quote from Levante David. I think it was. It was one. It was like I don't think everybody knew what the play call was on the Bucks. It, they said like some people knew, some people didn't. I'm pretty sure Levante David said that. I try to find it. And Bruce Arians even said you don't question the play call. You just make sure all eleven guys are on the same page. So I think there was a little bit of confusion there. Dave, what stood out to you in that Bills-Chiefs game? What stood out to me in the Bills-Chiefs game? You mean like from the end of it all? Anything. I I, yeah. I thought the last two plays, the, the defense that the Bills set up for those 13 seconds were terrible. You know, these basic prevent defense type plays. And I thought it was clever that the Chiefs instinctively knew on the first play to just hit the middle of the field and get as many yards as you can, and then Kelsey not getting pressed off the line and just being wide open and able to gain yards after catch. I thought that that was crazy. And you knew, you knew as soon as Kelsey caught that second pass that the game was over, or at least it would come down to the coin toss, I guess I should say. But, like, whoever was winning that coin toss was going to win the game. And now, like, everybody's going crazy about the overtime rule and what it should be. I just feel like in the moment, people just wanted to watch more of Mahomes versus Allen you know, doing their best Madden impersonation and just chucking downfield against each other. But I think the Bills deserve to lose the game based on how the thing went down at the end. Jamie, what if we did, instead of a coin toss at overtime, because I know people are salty about overtoss, what if they did rock, paper, scissors? I like it. Right, because then it takes a little bit, like then it at least you feel a little <laughs> bit more in control. I, yeah, people were, were critiquing uh, Josh Allen for calling tails. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, look, it's just, it's so stupid. And and the Chiefs, you know, th this rule cost them uh, an opportunity in 2019 when yeah, that's they, right. Against they the Patriots. down the field and, and then you get a chance to, to get Mahomes on the field. Um, I think instead of changing the overtime rule, I have a different proposal. Uh, one of these teams should move to the NFC. So this is the Super Bowl moving forward as opposed to, uh, you know, just in a <laughs> divisional matchup or, or a championship game. So um, I would like to move one of them to the NFC. Yeah, they trade him with the Giants. This like, the could, AFC can beat up on the Giants. Yeah, we'll take all the Bills guys, right? We'll just <laughs> um, uh, the uh, this could no, be like the Giants are actually part oh, of. The, no, right. I wouldn't like that. This could be uh, this could be you know like Packer. This could be what it would be like Aikman, Steve Young, or you know every no, year it's Brady Manning. Sure, uh, Brady Manning. Sure, right. that's a good one. Yeah, I, I forgot about those guys. Yeah. <laughs> all right, right. But I, the fact I, is, I, I got a feeling. We might be saying something similar next week about I'll take yeah. Mahomes Burrow every year for. Or, I mean, don't game. forget Justin Herbert. I mean, you know Trevor Lawrence if he if he materializes yes. into what yes. he's become. The AFC is is just loaded with you know if these quarterbacks become 
what they're capable of being. And obviously you saw the two last night and, you know, we think Burrow is, is establishing himself and obviously Herbert as well. It's, it's, it's going to be fun for many, many years, you know, as, as uh, Roethlisberger retires and Brady's mulling it over and who knows what Rogers does. Uh, the league is in great hands with their quarterbacks. Okay. I'm really close to finding this quote here, but in the meantime, I have to got to find this. They, uh, okay, here you go. Levante David, hurry up. Guys scrambling all, over the, scrambling all over the place trying to get lined up. Just an unfortunate situation. Some people got the call. Some people didn't. It is what it is. They had a great play call lined up. They made a play. It just sucks for us to lose in that manner from battling back the way we did. And then, yeah, Bruce Arian said, never second guess. Just make sure all 11 are on the same page. So right. that didn't happen. So that must be what happened. That's from The Athletic. Not everybody got it. Also, the Grim Reaper quote is awesome. When things are grim, be the Grim Reaper. That's what it's it, so awesome. I mean, what a gave you know me what that chills. Is? That's Al Pacino to Jamie Foxx. When in, things get grim, oh, be the Grim Reaper. In uh, any given Sunday, yeah. So actually, that brings us to um, our next our next uh, topic here. I have a movie review I'd like to give. I saw a movie for the first time. Pretty Taken four. Which one? Taken four. <laughs> Taken now. Davey, seven watch Taken. No. Not yet? Okay. I was a little busy this weekend. I was a little busy too, but Friday night, I got... Ozark. Yeah. Maybe it was Thursday. I think it was actually Thursday night. Yeah. It's very fortunate. My wife was getting our daughter, one and a half year old, to sleep, and my wife fell asleep in the process. Um, and I was like, yes, I can watch anything I want tonight. Whoa, hey, uh, this is a PG show, Adam. <laughs> Why? Um <laughs> All right. So after I watched that, after I watched that, Jamie, I decided it was time to finally see. Come on, this is actually this is you're gonna like this. Okay. The Notebook. The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? It's good. I mean, it's really good. I don't. I don't think it's one of the best movies I've ever seen, but I felt the same. I think I actually liked The New Hope better. When I know nobody has that opinion, but it wouldn't be my opinion if if it were completely different. Um, but it was really good. I'm gonna watch anything. I want. Yeah, well, great. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Uh, anyway, that was that's that, there you go. Uh, it was good, and I think the best thing I would say about it is that when it was done, yeah. I. I real I was like dying to watch Return of the Jedi, which it's I too bad you didn't watch Return of the Jedi with uh with the Princess Leia's Begizzi. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Return of the Jedi? <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, my wife falls asleep. I can watch that in the dark. Okay, uh, we got some news and notes for you. Also, I want to know. You make me sick, man. I want to know. Uh, I want to know when Dave has has a moment to himself. What kind of beer he's cracking open? Um, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Let's do some news and notes. Tom Brady could retire. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers doesn't know what his future holds. Sean Payton is reportedly considering leaving the Saints. Dave, the NFL landscape could be so different next season. It definitely could. I would be surprised if Brady retires. I would be surprised if Sean Payton leaves New Orleans. Although, I think this is his way of trying to get more money out of the Saints. So, they'll probably get that. Rodgers is the one where I think that landscape changes. They are in so much trouble in terms of cap space. I think the Saints, have the they're the most over the cap going into next year. Packers are right behind them. And their, their way out of it is to trade Aaron Rodgers and not tag Devonta Adams and they'll get there. I know that they should do everything in their power to keep those two guys and and maybe they can and you can always work around cap space but that's going to be tough for them. This is going to this could be a very very massive changing of the guard in Green Bay. Rodgers is not staying if Adams is gone. There's no chance. I can't see it with what they have to potentially replace. I mean, you could probably move on from both Smiths on the defensive side Preston and Zedarius uh just based on what they're Injuries plus production was this past season. Uh, Amos is probably somebody they can move on from. Bakhtiari, you know, they obviously got through the season without him. So there are some probably big-name players they can move on from. Um, You wonder if there's maybe an Aaron Jones move, you know, just because of the position. Um, But if there's no no Adams, there's no Rodgers in Green Bay. I can't see that happening. You know, I I don't think he'd want to stay if he doesn't have him there. Why would he? Um, Well, what actually would make a ton of sense for Rodgers if he could find his way if he does leave. Uh, I, I know Denver, from our standpoint, would be a lot of fun for fantasy. But 
you know, he's talked about um, how much playing with a, you know, above average defense means to him. He clearly had one this season. Uh, New Orleans will make a ton of sense. You know, if they could find a way to make that happen. Obviously, like you said, Dave, they're both in sort of salary cap hell. But playing for Sean Payton in, in that type of uh, scenario, I think he would probably relish that. Because I think part of this is, you know, if you look at Rodgers, I don't know how much the 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 weather plays into this. But, like, who wants to, who wants to play in that? <laughs> you know, I mean, just <laughs> how, how, how difficult that is. You know, it's it. I know that they're they're the home team. They should have the advantage, but it's just you know why why would you put yourself through that if you didn't have to? Well, he seems to like it. You know, he says that it kind of wilts the the weaker teams. Uh, I'm but, sure he look. He's he's a Packer. He loves it. You know, I mean, yeah. he's he he. You know, the, whatever the the off off uh, off season differences have been with management and front office. You know that that that's obviously a problem for him. But he's he's embodied that team. I mean, you know. Uh, it's it's really a shame that you know for thirty three years I think it's been that Favre and Rodgers have two Super Bowls. I mean that's just maddening how good yeah. those two guys are. I mean you, you know two of the top ten best quarterbacks of all time and and only two Super sure. Bowls combined between the two of them with the same franchise. Yeah, right. But th- look around the rest of the league. I mean, there's a team an hour and a half south of there, or not an hour and a half. That's Milwaukee, five hours south of Green Bay. That would love to have a championship over the last thirty years. They don't have one. Buffalo would love to have a championship. You know what they've been through. So sure, but they yeah. haven't had those two guys. You say you have those two guys. It's not. Of course, more. no, no, That's no. I completely get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Um, just so it's out there, Smith and Smith would save them a lot of salary cap space too. So there's a way for them to keep Rodgers and Adams. But then their defense could be pretty ugly next year. Bakhtiari's staying. He's, his cap number's too high to let go. Uh, you know, they they have not drafted. I'm pretty sure. I don't know this for, for 100%, but I'm pretty sure this is right. They have not drafted a running back, wide receiver, or tight end in the first round since Javon Walker in 2002. So, That's insane. And it's just, he needs it. I mean, they're slow and boring, and it works. But... He makes it work. He makes it work, yeah. But at the same time, like you, you need another guy to give you an explosive play every now and then, and it's I think it's catching up to them. Um, it kind of reminds me of the of the Patriots at the end there, where it's like they just didn't really have enough on offense. They could they could get by with Brady and Gronk or whatever, uh, you know, for the regular season. But when when you're when for the Packers, their number two receiver is always Aaron, is always at uh, Aaron Jones, and just right. not think, good you know, enough. The, the whole well, been. You know, I just know Pete Prisco talks about this all the time. The guy get Valdez Scantling more involved. The guy to get more because he's their speed guy. You know, mm-hmm. so yep. they need to have something. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be him, but you know how to find somebody in that role because, you know, they they've been lucky. I mean, you know, what Devonte Adams was based on where he was drafted and becoming the best receiver in the game. You know, that's that's a, a blessing to them. And you know what Alan Lazard was finding him off the scrap heap, solid player. You know, Robert Tunyon last year, solid player. You know, these guys, like you said, Adam, they weren't. It's like we're investing in this. He's going to become something, you know, it, they've had to cultivate it. And that's credit to Aaron Rodgers and, and the coaching staff there. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a frustrating situation when you're hoping that your quarterback is going to rescue you time and time again. Yeah. Whereas like the chiefs, like Nicole Hardman, for example, he failed, but he was a second round pick, you know, like there, there was, there was an investment there and in trying to find something to complement it. The bills, you know, we've talked about this many times, you know, it started with John Brown and Cole Beasley, and then eventually the trade for Stefan Diggs. you know, you're trying to build around, your young quarterback. The Dolphins tried to do that. You know, they tried to go out and get Will Fuller and draft Jalen Waddle and keep Devontae Parker, you know. And so it's like you, you have to do those things to make your quarterback better. And the Packers, you know, they just expect Aaron Rodgers to rescue them. And he has more times than not, yeah. except in the you know biggest moment. No, it works. It's not like they, you can't really criticize them because they they keep doing really well, but they just fall a little short. Um, anyway, uh, let's see. Pittsburgh defensive coordinator Keith Butler retired. The Ravens fired defensive coordinator Wake Martindale. No surprise. Uh, Carolina uh, hired Ben McAdoo as their offensive coordinator. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, well, I mean, look, he has a he had a good track record when he took over for the Giants. They went from twenty eighth in points to twelfth, and then sixth the next year. Um, and then when he became the head coach, they stunk. They were twenty sixth and thirty first in points. But you know, look his 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 first year as the Giants offensive coordinator was also. Odell Beckham's rookie season. So I think that had a lot to do with it too, but do you ever forgive him for benching Eli? I don't care. Yes, I've forgiven him, but it was so, so silly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, he, he, he wasn't a terrible offensive coordinator. The thing is Matt rule really, really, really wants to run the ball. Right. I mean, he's like, he's like Mike Zimmer. 
<clears throat> is that I mean, is that how you read it? I mean, he wants to run the ball like 30 times a game. I mean, I think if he had a better quarterback, that might change his mind. But, you know, he also had a running quarterback, too. So. Um, I just thought, I thought that he basically got rid of Joe Brady and because they didn't run the ball as much as he wanted to. Maybe. Uh, Matt Rule, by the way, according to The Athletic, could be interested in the Michigan job if Jim Harbaugh leaves. Matt Ryan... Matt Ryan most likely will not be traded, according to The Athletic. Chargers right. GM Tom Telesco said that they need to reduce Austin Eckler's workload. He basically said they really want to get another running back involved there. And he also said that Mike Williams is a big part of the team. So we will see. Jerry Jones was critical of Amari Cooper. thought that was interesting. And, of course, the biggest, biggest football story of all was the Giants hiring Joe Shane to be their GM. Only big because we learned how to pronounce Joe Shane's last name, S-C-H-O-E-N, pronounced Shane. <clears throat> Congratulations to Benji Haney. Who's Benji Haney, you ask? Well, we have something called the FFT Open. And if you want to be part of it, you can be next year. Uh, it's posted in our Facebook group. A guy named Casey Simons runs it. He does an amazing job. Uh, over 200 teams. This is like our little version of the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, Fantasy Football Today listeners competing against each other. Benji Haney won the 2021 Fantasy Football Today Open. Well done, sir. And thank you to Casey for running that. Okay. Um, Dave, I know Saturday was a tough day for you and me uh, in the sports world. So I hope you you went home from a one-point Miami Hurricanes college basketball loss to their bitter rival Florida State, and you cracked open a Miller Lite, right? I didn't quite do that. I picked up my wife, and then we went out to a like an outdoor sports bar. And now we can pick up the story where you left off. And watching the game on Saturday night, uh, definitely ordered myself a Miller Lite and just relaxed and take a lot off and just watch some football. And, you know, Miller Lite's always been a great-tasting light beer for people who love beer. So if you need just a few good friends or your wife, whatever it may be, uh, and a beer with taste you can depend on, grab yourself a Miller Lite. Made from simple ingredients, Miller Lite is for people who love the taste of beer. Malted barley gives it the rich, balanced toffee note flavors and the golden color that you know and love. So you've heard Dave talk about it. It's also just 96 calories. Uh, it's great taste. So Miller Lite, great taste, 96 calories. Go to MillerLite.com forward slash FFT to find delivery options near you. You can get it delivered to you. Or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. It's Miller time. Remember, that's MillerLite.com forward slash FFT. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. As teams get eliminated, we uh, ask one question about each team. We'll start with Tennessee. I mean, we, we see just how good A.J. Brown is. Five catches, 142 yards, and a touchdown. He can be uncoverable sometimes. He can also be frustrating. What is A.J. Brown ceiling, Jamie Eisenberg? I mean, he could be top five. I don't know if he'll ever be number one in this offense with this quarterback, but there's certainly that chance. But he's got to stay healthy. That's the biggest thing. You know, that's that's certainly been... An issue for him through three seasons. I just think if he's if he's on the field for you know thirteen to fifteen games, you know um, even with Tannehill, and not knowing what they're going to do opposite him, if Julio Jones is still going to be on the roster, but uh, there's just so much to love about what his game is and 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 the potential and the upside that he brings. So he's uh, he's an easy player to target in round two. Last year he finished seventh in fantasy points per mm-hmm. game in PPR. He had 70 catches, 1,075 yards, and 11 touchdowns. That feels pretty close to what his ceiling is. So could he crack a top five list at wide receiver and points per game in PPR? Sure. But I I don't think he can get much higher than five. He's somebody that you can debate Stephon Diggs with. Yeah, so let's do it. Diggs or or A.J. Brown? I would take A.J. Brown in non-PPR. I would take Stephon Diggs in PPR. I think I'll take Brown in both just because I expect to there to be enough change in that Buffalo offense to maybe drive down those targets for Diggs. I don't want to make it sound like I hate Diggs, by the way, but uh, there was talk about him being maybe still a first-round pick. No way. Uh, Second-round pick is where he's going to end up. It wouldn't surprise me if Brown was taken ahead of Diggs in a handful of leagues. I guess the only thing is Diggs, 164 targets in 17 games. 
and I just don't see how no AJ Brown gets yeah. 160 targets, right? So yeah, not, not again. We don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't know if Mike Vrabel. I, I can only assume he's happy with Todd Downing, but you know, you just never know. So mm-hmm. if if there's a coordinator change, and you know, it, it's very unlikely that they move on from Tannehill unless there's a trade. Like, hey, Green Bay, we'll send you Ryan Tannehill. You give us Aaron Rodgers. He wants out. <laughs> let's 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 uh, let's make that happen. Um, then AJ Brown's you know stock gets even higher, but. Uh, there's, there's no way I would ever take AJ Brown over Stefan Diggs in PPR. They're just, the, the catch potential is so much higher for Stefan Diggs. Uh, here's something to consider for AJ Brown and why it's hard to, hard to evaluate players, right? So if you look at 2020 and Dave already gave the numbers, 1,073 yards, 11 touchdowns. He was number five per game in non-PPR, number seven per game in full PPR. Uh, and compare it to 2021, he had the same amount of targets. He actually had just one more target in 2020 than he had in 2021, but the numbers were so much worse in 2021. So it wasn't even like, well, he was hurt. I mean, he was a little hurt, right? He was banged up, but he was also playing through injuries last year. And bottom line is 106 targets in 2020, 105 targets in 2021, but he goes from 1,070 games, same amount of games, uh, 14 games last year, 13 games this year. Okay. But, you know, there's some where he left with injury and whatnot. Um, but 206 more yards and six more touchdowns in 2020 compared to 2021. And the only thing that I can look at that that really changed, that seems obvious to me anyway, just looking at the stat page, how about his yards per ca- yards after catch, per catch? It went from 6.2 yards after catch per catch to 3.9, which probably means he had a few plays in 2020 where he broke a tackle and gained 40 more yards or something like that compared to 2021. And that could be the difference, you know, in having this incredible year and having a, a kind of a disappointing year. That's what he does. He makes, he makes big plays. Um, but that was the only thing that, how do you explain that same amount of targets, 200 fewer yards, five fewer touchdowns. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was that kind of interesting. All right. For green Bay, here's the green Bay question. <laughs> I think let's just focus on the running backs or else we'll spend a half hour talking about Green Bay. What do you make of, what do you expect from the Green Bay running backs, Dave, with or without Aaron Rodgers? I think they're going to be a big focal point of the offense, obviously. It's a strength that not many teams have to have two running backs like this that they can use in and out. And as long as they're both healthy, I don't think either one's going to get more than 15 touches in a given week. I don't think it's going to be as simple as, Aaron Jones plays between the 20s and gets all the catches, and then A.J. Dillon just gets the short yardage work. I think there'll be some mixing and matching. There will be selective moments where Jones will see more catches. Jones is going to get more catches. But I bet there's going to be selective moments where Jones is working at the goal line and Dillon is on the sideline. There will be some third downs where Dillon's on the field and Jones will be on the sideline. So I'm, I'm expecting it to be a little messy, but probably something close to what we saw toward the end of the regular season where they're both going to be useful for fantasy managers, but neither one will have, like, you, you can't reliably start one as a top 10 type of running back. <sighs> D- Jamie, do you think Aaron Jones is clearly better than A.J. Dillon going into next year as a fantasy asset? Uh, clearly, no. Better in PPR. I, I, I Maybe clearly in PPR, yes. But um, no, I, I don't think so. I think Dave said it best. You know, it's a luxury that they have. That most teams don't, but the the bigger issue is 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 Aaron Rodgers, you know. So with Rodgers, I think you could feel comfortable about Jones maybe in the back end of round two. I'm most likely going to see him go in round three. Um, for Dylan, probably the earliest you'll see him go is 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 maybe round five in PPR, uh, maybe close to round four in non PPR, depending on how the running backs come off the board, and probably similar in half. You know, you're, he was one of the guys, and we'll talk about this tomorrow, that I was looking to see where he was going to go because, you know, people get excited about the the next, you know, him, Tony Pollard, those are the two I was looking at, you know, because could you see maybe a changing of the guard? So if Rodgers is back, if Adams is back, if it's the same cast of characters from the, the main guys you're looking at in the Packers, I think you could feel comfortable about Jones as a number two running back and Dylan as a potential flex with the lottery ticket upside. Now, if Rodgers leaves that becomes where the trust factor goes with these two guys because clearly the scoring potential goes way down depending on who the quarterback is. If it's Jordan Love, then how do you justify Aaron Jones in the third round? Maybe the fourth round because, mm-hmm. like Dave said, he'll still be the focal point in the offense, and Dylan probably gets more work. But 
my gosh, uh, it's, it's just going to be so hard to say same level of confidence with both those guys. And just for the record, we had, we've done two mock drafts. Dylan went 60th overall in the full PPR mock and 64th overall in the half PPR. Yeah, Dave, I was trying to tease it for tomorrow. So people are excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I, uh, I mean, you worry without the touchdowns, what AJ Dylan would be. Um, and without Aaron Rodgers, how many touchdowns could he score? But sure, it seemed they they see it. I wonder if Rodgers leaves if they just become so run heavy. Also, did you already say that, Dave? I don't know if you no, did. Yeah. but it makes sense. Also, Aaron, Matt Lafleur has been an offensive coordinator or a head coach for five seasons now. We keep, I keep updating this stat every year. Five seasons, uh, three different teams. And a running back has been second on the team in targets all five years. Gurley, Deion Lewis, and then three straight years of Aaron Jones. You just wonder, is it the personnel or is it the coach? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely part of it. Um, But it seems like that's a part of the offense. But uh, Because, you know, like if Devin Funches had ever materialized in in Green Bay, (laughs) would Aaron Jones be second in targets? Uh, maybe they'll maybe they'll draft like Kenny Pickett or something. He, there's a chance he could be on the board and use a little capital uh, if they lose Rodgers. That'd be fun. Well, you uh, think they spend uh, another early round pick on a quarterback? I, I, I no, I don't know. But if they lose Rodgers, it's I think it's got to be on the table. But that would obviously be throwing in the towel on Jordan Love. I, he did not look very good in limited yeah. sample size. A uh, real quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Bucks, who also might lose their quarterback, and what would that mean? Boy, it was, uh, it was pretty good, actually, the last time they did not have Tom Brady. Uh, they had two wide receivers who were top four per game. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. So, Tom Brady, you're coming back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I really hope so, because uh, I think at least you know you know what you're going to get from Godwin and Evans. You're, you're going to get great fantasy production if Tom Brady's back. So let's talk about this team, and uh, Jamie, you can have the first word. How, you, how do you evaluate the Bucs passing game with and without Tom Brady going into 2022? Yeah, and, and, and you kind of said something that we, we should also clarify. So is, are we just assuming Chris Godwin is back and staying in, in Tampa Bay? And what about Gronk and what about Fournette? Because they have so many, you know, this is either run it back or blow it up. Because, they're, you know, I can't imagine that these guys stay if, you know, it's doubtful Blaine Gabbert, but Kyle Trask, or, you know, if they, you know, bring in somebody else, which probably would be the route that they go. But, you know, Brady's going to keep those guys most likely until certainly Gronk and, and, and maybe Godwin. But um, so I think if, if, if Brady's there, you just count on them still doing the same thing you know Evans and Godwin assuming Godwin is 100% by training camp which you know hopefully is with an ACL tear that you're looking at two top 15 caliber wide receivers you know we we know what the upside can be you know they could be top 10 but uh, probably still safe to treat them as round three picks you know Godwin better in in PPR Evans better in non-PPR because of the touchdown potential if there is no Brady and Godwin's gone then Evans becomes uh, probably still a round three pick depending on the quarterback because you know what the track record is um, basically it's a thousand and seven. He rolls out of bed getting that. Um, but it, it just won't feel as, as comforting, you know, Winston, you knew what you were getting because of Bruce Arians. And I think if Brady leaves Arians might consider going as well, you know, maybe he just decides, okay, I've had my run. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to either Bowles or to Leftwich and let them have their opportunity to be a head coach. Cause they're certainly deserving Bowles obviously done it before. Um, so it, this, that's, uh, an off season you know, worth monitoring for sure. What happens in Tampa Bay changes the landscape of a lot of fantasy assets and Gronk probably retires again. Uh, Dave, do you think that <laughs> do you, maybe they could bring Jameis Winston back? Let's say Brady's gone. Like last time Brady... He's available. Yeah, right. Last time Brady was not Who on the team. 
all they yeah it would make sense right I mean, a lot of turnovers but he he got better at that in in New Orleans but he threw for 5000 yards he was a top 5 quarterback he was top 8 per game and like I said Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were top 4 per game Godwin was the number 2 wide receiver in football and fantasy that year and Rashad uh, Perryman was one of the waiver wire darlings. Oh my gosh, Rashad Perryman! His last six games, he had like 500 yards and five touchdowns or something like that. I actually, have that somewhere in the notes. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was 500 yards, 506 yards, and five touchdowns in his last five games, which is crazy. So that's Bruce Arians for you. I mean, uh, this this would feel would this feel different than you know the Packers losing Rodgers? I think they could still be. Competitive because I I can't imagine Bruce Arians having a quarterback that can't push the ball down the field. Like just if Brady leaves, whether they bring back Jameis or not, it'll be somebody. They'll find somebody who has a strong arm, and they'll just hope that that guy can not make a lot of mistakes. And if they can do that, then it'll be a similar type of offense. The defense is still good. I know that they didn't win on Sunday, but they're still a good defense. And they can find running backs, and their offensive line is going to be good. I don't think that line is changing that much, uh, without looking at their their cap situation. And they have money to spend; they're not up against it like the Saints or the Packers are. So I, obviously, it would go without saying that the offense would be amazing if Brady stays. If they get a great quarterback to replace Brady, uh, like Rodgers, for example, goes there, some crazy scenario, that would be amazing, and we'd be all systems go on everybody that's left in that passing game. And yeah, I think Godwin stays. But if it's worst-case scenario where they don't have a quarterback that can throw the ball 50 yards downfield, I, I think you'd feel that a little bit. I think Evans and Godwin probably wouldn't be regarded as top 12-ish type of wide receivers. If I were Rodgers, that was the first place I'd go if Brady walks. Warm, good defense, mm-hmm. perfect scenario. And finally, he'll get to just air the ball out, throw as many times as he wants. They've been oh. top five in passing. Yeah, big offensive to, line. Uh-huh. He'd have to deal with... Uh, Finally, throwing a few interceptions. He wouldn't have Devontae, though, would he? Uh, Unless Devontae. Hey, if if Godman leaves and you say, Devontae, let's go to Florida. Yeah, right. <laughs> then maybe there's a trade to be made. They franchise both receivers and they trade them for each other. And Godwin goes to Green Bay. Uh, let, let's say if, if Rodgers yeah, I, goes to Tampa Bay and Godwin and Evans are there, let's say no Gronk, no Brady. Where do you fun. rank Aaron Rodgers? I mean, I think he's fourth for me Four. right now. So he's yeah. Right. Uh, I, I think maybe I'd three. Maybe three. he'd go ahead of Justin Herbert. Yeah. Because uh, you just know how much they throw. They've been top six in pass attempts each of the last three years under Arians. I just wonder if Brady leaves. Like, why is Bruce Arians hanging on? Because yeah. he's got Aaron Rodgers. Right. Well, <laughs> in this scenario. <laughs> I mean, if, if in that scenario, yes. Right. right. Sure. Why, why would he stick around to coach Jameis again? Uh, well, you know, maybe he wants to prove himself. Uh, you know, I can do it without Brady, just like Bill. All right, Buffalo, speaking of Bills, I was going to ask where you're ranking Gabriel Davis and also ask about Stefan Diggs. We already did that, so... Um, we have a Singletary talk again. Singletary. Yeah, I mean, we've done that, but we, we certainly could. How about how about Dawson Knox? We talked about Singletary, so uh, not today, but in recent shows. How about Dawson Knox? Um, yeah, top top 12, top 10, top, top 8. Where's Dawson Knox for you guys? So I, I think once, you know, you get past, there, there's going to be, I, I think, a consensus, what, five? You're going to have Kelsey, Andrews, whatever order, uh, Waller, Kittle, Pitts. Those, those I think, are going to be the consensus top five. I think once you get past that group and then you get to the Hawkinson, Goddard, Ertz, depending on where he goes, um, Knox is in that group, Schultz, depending on where he goes, uh, Friermuth, maybe, uh, Fant, maybe, um, that's, I think, where kind of Dawson Knox is going to live. You know, he's not going to be somebody that you're going to be actively targeting, but you know that you can get some quality production from him. There'll be some highs, clearly, as we saw in the season. You know, you wonder what it would have been if he didn't break his hand and had that, you know, I think it was like a two-and-a-half game stretch where he missed. There was a bye week in there. Um, you know, his, his stats probably look a little bit better. But, again, Adam, you, you nailed this. It's attaching your yourself to a good quarterback, and, and that's kind of what Knox became. You know, he became – of a reliable option in a very good offense that throws the ball a lot and and he proved himself and I think that gave Josh Allen the comfort comfort and confidence to continue going to him and so there are games where he's going to disappear because he's not going to be a, a five plus catch guy on a weekly basis but the touchdown potential is there almost all the time so he's uh he's not someone you target but he's someone you settle for and you can feel comfortable starting when the season opens 
Dave, he has fewer than 12 yards in three of his last five games. <laughs> that's not, not good. Yeah, you're hoping for more involvement from Dawson Knox, and we can't guarantee that that's going to be the case. It was nice that he averaged 10 and a half PPR points per game last year, and he's entering a contract year, so he'll be motivated to play out in a big way. But I, I honestly think that he's going to be a touchdown-dependent tight end most weeks. There will be some games. We saw it this year where he had four, five, six-plus catches, and the yardage was good. But it, you're starting him because you're hoping he scores a touchdown and because Josh Allen is his quarterback. And it's the perfect type of tight end to settle for when you get to round nine plus. This was the the group that he's going to be in for 2021. And you're not going to like it, but this is the, the the tight ends that we were drafting. It was Gasecki, it was Logan Thomas, it was Robert Tunyon, it was um, you know you you could maybe Higby, maybe Fant, um, right. you know the the guys that were you know like seven through twelve, you know so. Uh, we kind of knew that the Goddard Earth situation going into the season, we had hoped that it was going to do what it eventually did, which was split those two guys up. And then you saw you could start both of them, and they were, you know, very good. Um, but that's the that's the type of tight end Dawson Knox and Pat Fryermuth are going to be. You know, touchdown dependent guys. We don't know, know who Fryermuth's quarterback's going to be, but um, Knox, I think, is somebody. Like I said, you, you you'll settle for and close to a double digit round. Who who do you like better, Knox or Fryermuth? Knox, Knox, Knox or. Um, oh, the, the hard one for me is Fant, okay. and I think that I'll, I'll, that one I'll take Knox right on the quarterback. But uh, I think it's going to be where does Schultz go? And you know, I, I know for me, I'll probably just fall back in love with Blake Jarwin again um, if he's the you know de facto. If he's still one. there, I, I think he's well, free. You know, they have to cut him. You know, he's still under contract, so um, they could re- resign Schultz. That that's that's a move that they probably should make. Um, but where does Ertz go? You know, that's a big factor too. You know, so I think Knox is just somebody again, you know, you you just kind of see how the draft unfolds for you. So if you miss on the top five and then that I think then the next two I think are gonna end up probably being Goddard and, and, and Hawkinson. And so then it's that, you know, eight through twelve to fifteen is where he'll end up. Here's Scott Fish always watching, saying Matthew Stafford eats breakfast with Cooper Cup. Josh Allen plays Xbox with Dawson Knox. Is it a sign for the future? Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe best friends right um all right guys listen uh my wife's gonna be out for the next like 30 minutes so i gotta wrap this up um <laughs> i'll uh, uh i'm actually not on the show tomorrow that'll be dave jamie and chris talking about the half ppr mock draft and some running back reflections thanks so much for listening everybody thanks so much for watching we'll talk to you tomorrow on fantasy football today CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. 